Welcome, everyone, to this uh, new episode of the LangFM podcast. My guests today are Josephine Holly and Joshua Goldsmith. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. How are you two? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. How about you, Josh? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having us on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Uh, are you joining us from uh, Geneva today? Yeah, we're, we're here in Geneva, um, both after work, I think. And looking forward to to doing the interview. Yeah, me too. Um, so when you say work, what exactly is work at the moment for you two? Uh, I currently, today I was working as a translator. I work as a translator in-house part-time, uh, doing mainly financial translation. But then I also do interpreting contracts as well. So I've got a, a good mix of the two at the minute. And as for me, well, I also do interpreting work. But today I was working with InZone, which is a research group at the University of Geneva. I'm also a research assistant for InZone, and today we actually had a big event to look at our learning labs in refugee camps in in Kenya to consider how they could be improved. Sounds great. Maybe we can talk a little bit about InZone later on. Uh, but before you get started, I, I can just say how uh, the three of us met, actually, which was for your thesis, for your research project. And we'll talk about that um, uh, in just a, a second, obviously. And I think it was uh, about a year ago or so. And we did an interview um, over Skype, more or less like we do today. So I think that's quite, that's quite nice. Um, and the project was about tablets and interpreting. So that, that'll be one of the big topics today. But maybe before we go into uh, the technology thing, could you tell us just a little bit about yourselves? Um, where you're from, um, maybe what your languages are, and uh, yeah, maybe let's just start with that. Josh? Great. So my name is Josh Goldsmith. I'm from the US, as you might have guessed from my accent, originally from the Sunshine State of Florida. And I work with Spanish, French, Italian, and Catalan as passive languages into English. And I'm Josie Holly. I'm clearly not from America. <laughs> I'm from Cornwall, which, for those who don't know, is the bit right on the western end of England. Um, and my languages are Spanish and French into English. And you both studied at um, ETI, Geneva University? Yes, although it's now called FTI. FTI. It's a faculty now rather than a school. But so you're supposed to say FT? FT. Is that where yeah, they say Or FTI, perhaps. <laughs> or FTI. Okay. Um, so why Geneva? Just a, a very simple, quest, uh, a simple question. I don't know if it's easy to answer. I think Geneva is a real hub for interpreting. There's so many international organizations here, and it's a great place to learn about interpreting, to have access to all of these places where conferences are going on live in front of you to have opportunities mm. to visit these institutions, to really learn about them firsthand, to dummy booth in some of them, and to be taught by interpreters and chief interpreters at many of these institutions. It's really, as far as I can imagine, a one-of-a-kind experience and definitely mm. worth it. Although, to be honest, that's not... I didn't realize all of that before I got here. Some of it I knew about. But um, I heard that the university had a good reputation, and so in the final year of my bachelor's degree, I took the entrance exams and got in, and then got here and found out. I mean, I, obviously, I knew that the United Nations is here, and that there are a lot of specialized agencies, and saw that that could be advantageous, but I'm, I think the whole experience has been 
more than I could have imagined than through searching on internet forums and so on. And I think another benefit of the University of Geneva is the wide variety of languages yes, that definitely. are represented as native languages among the student body and among the faculty here, which you don't find in many other places. Yeah, I, I think we, we covered all but one continent. Well, excluding Antarctica. I mean, <laughs> so which yeah. was the one you, you did not cover then? Asia. Asia. Okay. Mm. But everything else you had covered. That's I great. Think so, yeah. Yeah. So I talked um, at an earlier, during an earlier episode to uh, um, Evandro Magalaj, who w works for the ITU. Did you have any contacts with them as well, with the uh, ITU? Because I think they're not too far away from the Institute even. Yeah, they're, they're not too far away. They're in the area where many of the institutions are, if I'm not mistaken. It's right by the UN, yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, we did have teachers who work regularly at the ITU, and we did have one session, a master class, about three hours, dedicated to the ITU, where we got to dive into the nitty-gritties of what they, what they do there. Uh, a lot of abbreviations. A lot oh, yeah. of abbreviations. <laughs> Alphabeti spaghetti. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Um, and and why why did you decide to get into interpreting? Was that something you knew from early on that you wanted to do? Were, were language always a big part of your lives, maybe? Well, actually, when I was at school, originally, I wanted to be an architect. Um and then I realized that I really enjoyed my language classes, so I chose to do languages for A-level. And during my A-levels, um, I was lucky enough to go on, I think it's called a Euro Scholar Day. I don't know if they still do them. So basically, we went on a school trip with several schools from my region to Strasbourg, to the Parliament. And it was young people from all over the European Union who were meeting uh, to discuss all sorts of European-related topics, and they had interpretation between French and English. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to the interpreters. Um, actually, I was doing the classic thing of listening to the English in one ear and the French in the other. Yeah, and um, see if you could do and, that. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, that is so cool. I oh. really want to do that. And from then on, I've sort of tailored every professional step towards getting to here. Excellent. Excellent. What about you, Josh? In my case, it was a little bit different. I've always loved languages and always loved working with languages. I did a bachelor's degree in linguistics and went on to do a master's degree in language teaching and worked as a language teacher for, for many years uh, in a wide variety of settings. And was that and in the US or in Europe already? A little bit of both. My bachelor's was in the US and my master's, my first master's was in Europe, in Spain and Barcelona, which is where I picked up the Catalan. Yeah. And... Uh, then I worked both in the U.S. and in Spain as a language teacher before going on to work for an online university, uh, also teaching languages and develop developing materials for language teaching and language learning. Before, as life would have it, I transitioned into translation and then afterwards decided that I, w I was ready to take the dive and move into interpreting. But uh, you can imagine that growing up in Florida, you don't hear too much interpreting, at least not conference interpreting. So it was it was something I discovered a little bit later on in life. Interesting. Um, in in is Florida? I'm just asking very naively. Is is it similar to California, where you have where you have a lot of Spanish, uh, just because of the proximity to uh, Spanish speaking countries? Yeah, there is a lot of Spanish in in Florida. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, and and how did you? 
to meet and were you in the same classes at university yeah yeah um we met well actually we met at the we met at the entrance exams and then we ended up we both got in and we were in a lot of the same classes together because a lot of the classes here in at the university of geneva are organized um depending on what booth you're in so obviously both being in the english booth and both having french and spanish we shared quite a few classes together And I suppose it's not a huge group of students, I mean, in, in general. So you yeah, exactly. obviously so meet each other nice. regularly, right? And then yep. you, you found yep. out that yep. you're both... <laughs> uh, <much>. Sorry? <laughs> we we spent a lot of time together. Too, yeah. too much time at times, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially during the, the project, I would assume, yeah. And yeah. then you somehow figured out that you were both uh, very much into technology, or uh, how did that happen? Um, I, I think it happened because... I knew from very early on that I was interested in in studying tablets, in studying technology. I've always really been very keen on technology in my teaching and in the work that I've done afterwards. So it uh, made sense to me to, to focus around technology for the thesis. And Josie also was a tablet user. so. Yes we quickly joined forces and decided mm. to uh, focus on this topic together. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can just quickly talk about how the three of us first met um, in person, which was in Geneva as well, um, about a year ago, I think January uh, 2015, uh, because we're in touch uh, um, in relation to this project we're going to talk about in a second. And it was really interesting for me, I must say, because um, I've been sort of researching and working with tablets and technology in interpreting. And, and usually I was the one, you know, talking to other people and, and uh, teaching them and telling them about things that they can do and how they can go about it. And then with, with the two of you, it really clicked because you, you sort of geeked out about the same things that I cared about. That was really, really nice. And then we could really go into the details. Oh, you're, you're, so you're using that stylus and why not this one and that app and why not this app? Um, so that, that was really cool. So maybe let's let's talk about this this project of, of yours. Maybe just in general for the thesis. Do you get to pick your own topics, or is there sort of a list that that you pick from, or can you just come up with something yourselves? How does that usually work? Sort of both. Uh, they provide a list which you can choose from, or if you feel inspired, then you can put forward a topic uh, and ask to carry out your research on a topic of your own choice, uh, which will be approved or not depending on how viable it's considered to be. And that's what we did. Yeah. And uh, what about the professors? Were they uh, reluctant, interested, or...? I think they were interested. The approval came through pretty quickly. Yeah. That's great. I think, I, I, I think that they recognize that this is something that's cutting edge in the field, that there is a real role for technology. There's some interesting research on other aspects of technology yeah. coming out of this university. A very interesting study about remote interpreting, which has been carried out by the chair of the department, Killian Sieber. And so I think it was a logical complement yeah. to some of the other work that's being done. Yeah, I think the whole department's pretty geared towards um, using new technologies, particularly about how to use them to help the profession, because obviously there's often a lot of kickback with new technologies uh, some people say that they're a hindrance that they're not necessary that you, you don't need them that they will distract you whereas I think our department's very forward-looking in that they understand that while 
in some cases yes it might be a hindrance but in a myriad of other ways they can help you um, help you be help, in terms of training in terms of interpreting itself um, and also in terms not just the training but the way in which you learn as well uh, one of our professors Manuela Motta also developed an online platform uh, to really look at online interaction of, of students and it's something that we used every single day yeah the 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 courses here are taught on a virtual learning platform uh, at least partially of course there's an in-person component which is a very important component of the courses mm -hmm. for the master's degree at least but many other components of what the interpreting department does are also using similar platforms based on the same same infrastructure and so there's a virtual doctoral school which uses the same infrastructure and the the in-zone courses which are blended learning courses so there is a brief in-person component followed by a much longer uh, online component these also use the same platform so there's a lot of work around technology that's been done here and that I think our research fell squarely within that and even within those staff members who don't do research, I think the vast majority would use a tablet or a laptop uh, in the booth, or if not in the booth, then for preparation. And so then you get to the point where you think, well, why not for consecutive as well? If it's so common for simultaneous, then why not for consecutive? Yeah. And I was going to say as well that, that your project seems to be a, a very good fit for the culture uh, at the institute as well, um, so maybe you can just describe what the the initial idea was or the, or the premise of your work. So, so Josie has just given us a good lead into that. Actually, <laughs> she by has pointing yeah. out that our research was about using a tablet for consecutive interpreting. Um, there has been some work, predominantly your work, on how you can use a tablet in the booth, yeah. but we found that there had been very, very little research about, in fact, to our knowledge, no academic research about how you could use a tablet for consecutive. So for for note-taking is really what we were looking yeah. at. Uh, but also, the, I mean, consecutive is note-taking, but also the rendition. So what happens when you use a tablet for the rendition as well? So I'll give you a, a brief intro to the project, if that's okay with you. That's great, yeah. Basically what we did is we interviewed a series of practitioners who are using tablets for consecutive in their daily work. Now, most of them also use tablets for simultaneous, and many of them use, I think they all use tablets for preparation as well. But what we were really focusing on was, uh, was the use of the tablets for consecutive and what that looked like. So we spoke to uh, six different people, all of whom were members of professional uh, interpreting associations or professional translation associations or translation and interpreting associations in a variety of different markets in both Europe and the United States, but some who also traveled extensively all across mm. North and South America. And they were a combination of freelance and staff interpreters. We spoke predominantly to freelance interpreters, but also to a staff interpreter. And people with a lot of experience. People who had almost 20 years of experience averaged out over all of these interpreters. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it turned out that many of these interpreters did a lot of consecutive. Mm -hmm. uh, the average actually was 15 days of consecutive a month. That's quite a bit, yeah. Quite a bit, a rather impressive number. And they'd been using tablets for anywhere between a year and four years at the time that we interviewed them. And for uh, a wide variety in terms of the number of assignments on which they'd used a tablet, but many fell in the 100, 150, 200. Uh, the average was about 86 in terms of the average number of assignments that people had been using tablets for. So people who did have a good amount of experience using the tablets. Mm -hmm. And we, we spoke to them about their experience to try to understand what it's like to use a tablet for consecutive, um, how it shapes up, what the whether the experience can mirror the experience of working with pen and paper, yeah. or whether it can indeed exceed that experience. Yeah. I think it's also important to point out here that uh, I think a majority of the participants were also involved in more or less formal training of peers or new interpreters so it's interesting to see that the people who are training the new generation are looking to this technology either to replace and or complement traditional pen and paper in consecutive interpreting. Maybe as an aside um, I, I seem to gather from what you told me about the project back then that you were using a sort of a specific academic method or a, a strategy. Do you want to maybe quickly talk about that for those listeners that are maybe interested in that as well? Sure. So, yes, we did have a, a research methodology that we applied for our research. It was um, mixed methods research, so a combination of quantitative and qualitative research. Uh, the goal was to map the field to this is a pilot study, so we really wanted to see what these pioneering interpreters who are using their tablets for consecutive are doing with the goal of, in a later phase of the research, developing an instrument to assess different tools, which is what we're now working mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. the, um, the research used semi-structured in-depth interviews, which uh, really give you a lot of data, a lot of qualitative data, but also, they give us some quantitative data, which is some of what we've, we've shared with you already. And uh, then we transcribed all of these interviews, and we used inductive thematic analysis, which basically means that we were deriving categories based on the recurring themes in the interviews. And so we, we coded these with a computer program that helps to do so, and we pulled out the commonalities. And that's really what the results are, are these commonalities that we found across interviewees. And I think it's, I think it's important to emphasize at this stage that um, we, didn't, we didn't pick out categories and then try and pigeonhole the data into the categories. Because, as we said, there's been no formal academic research on the topic. We wanted to get the, the greatest breadth of answers that we possibly could and not exclude any information that we could have that we might not necessarily have thought of in advance. Now, obviously, we did have some idea of what might come up, but there were a great deal of things that, that recurred in 
a majority or all of the participants' responses that I don't think we were expecting at all. So I think it's it's very important to have that that idea yeah. as part of the pilot study that we that, were sort of led by the answers rather than imposing something onto them. Yeah, that's what a semi-structured interview is good yeah. for, is that you can really probe based on what the people you're speaking to are telling you and explore. We, we didn't have to say, oh, actually, what you're saying now falls outside what we wanted to hear, so we'll <laughs> stop you. It was more, yeah. okay, you started saying this, let's push this a little bit further and, uh -huh. and see where this leads us, and maybe this is just one person that feels this way, or maybe it's going to come up in all of the other interviews as well. Let's go into that in just a moment, but um, one question out of curiosity. Did you have to do all the transcriptions yourself, or did you use technology to uh, sort of help in, in the process? Because I, I think you told me that you had to transcribe all the interviews, and they're quite long, I think. Actually, we, we transcribed all of the interviews, and then we mentioned it to the technician here at university, and he told us that he could have given us a pedal to make the job easier after we transcribed all of them. <laughs> but didn't you transcribe, for some of the ones you worked on, Josie, you actually used dictation software, right? You, yes. you shadowed <laughs> the interviews yeah. in order to, to have your voice be automatically recognized mm -hmm. and transcribed, which sped things up a bit. Yeah, I slowed the interviews down. I slowed down the, um, the audio. And then, yeah, I, I shadowed. I put my earphones in and shadowed the interviews and dictated them. So you had a bit of shadowing practice as you went along. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Every little help. Yeah, exactly. But it, it, yeah, I suppose it was indeed a, a lot of work, but definitely worth it. Because, yeah, because the the data really is very interesting. Now, you said that so, some things uh, may have surprised you and maybe there have, have been a few commonalities. Maybe let's start with the, I don't know if you would call it surprises, but were there any results that you did not expect because you yourself, you, I mean, you've used tablets as well in the interpreting context. Was any was there anything that really surprised you or that you would not have expected? Well, I think one thing that surprised us was that most of the people we spoke to were trainers mm -hmm. or had engaged in some degree of training. Mm -hmm. Another thing that surprised me, I think, was to, to see all of the different settings that people were working in. So there were people who were using consecutive with their tablets for conference interpreting, but also in courts for legal interpreting, for medical interpreting, media interpreting, business, diplomatic, community interpreting. So there were a wide variety of settings mm -hmm. that people were working in, which I think is an interesting testament to where the field stands now. And I think a, a third point that was perhaps surprising was how many people said they didn't want to go back. <laughs> yeah, great. They, they had been using... Surprising and satisfying. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's yeah. nice to see, mm. see that uh, the hypothesis played out and that people were saying that, that tablets indeed could surpass the pen and paper experience. But many of the people we spoke to were very gung-ho about it yeah. and... Uh, <laughs> would in the vast majority of contexts use their tablets over pen and paper. I think what surprised me the most was um, just how many of the participants were using their tablet for note-taking in a way which is more sophisticated than pen and paper or which goes beyond pen and paper. So rather than just taking away the notepad and putting the tablet there and you write on the tablet and it works exactly the same as a notepad except that it's a screen. 
we had participants who were embedding PDFs and instead of taking traditional notes they were highlighting things and annotating them um, or embedding PowerPoints and, and using the PowerPoint as as kind of like the paper and then taking the notes on top of it which obviously saves you time because that's things that you don't have to write down which then saves you brain space hopefully and which will hopefully allow you to do uh, give a better rendition yeah. Um, yeah people spoke about the benefits of cloud backup to be able yeah. to back up their notes immediately yeah. the, that's a big thing for me too yeah. the, uh, the pros of being able to file your notes easily not having notepad after notepad stacking up in your garage where you'll never never be able to find them again yeah. but instead being able to file all of the the notepads for a given client and then when you go back to work for that client again being able to find it quickly look through what you've done and in many cases even grab that key chunk cut and paste put it in the notepad you're going to be working with this mm -hmm. time because mm -hmm. that's their stump speech and they're probably going to come back to it again Interesting. and other smaller things as well which seem perhaps anecdotal but I've heard that when you get to a certain age, it gets harder to see your notes. Yeah. Well, that's not a problem on a note, on a on a tablet because you can actually zoom in. Yeah. Or the fact that uh, on some applications, it's really cool because you don't have to turn a page, so you don't have that interruption in your rendition or the distraction of the page physically being turned because you scroll. Um, yeah, and others others spoke about the benefits of being able to to see multiple pages at once. So after you finish taking your notes to switch to a different mode where you would see four or eight or maybe 12 different pages all at once and could easily, if you write large enough, just give your rendition from that, but also jump to a given chunk if there was something mm. that you wanted to follow up with, with the speaker, for example. And then, of course, switching back, switching back and forth between dictionaries, glossaries, the internet, all on one device. Um, rather than having to have your notepad and then a glossary on paper and then maybe a dictionary as well. All of those things go into the one device. And what surprised me was how many of them spoke about uh, client perceptions. Hmm. So uh, there was one or, or maybe two participants who said that in some scenarios it can be seen as not positive depending on who your clients are if yeah. they're rather hostile to technology then it's perhaps not a good idea but in the vast majority of cases it was seen as good because well frankly the clients can't see what you're doing so that means that when you look something up on the internet they don't assume that you're cheating <laughs> or when yeah. you open, I mean, it's not exactly cheating but it yeah. could be perceived that way you know? exactly yeah, but, but not even that I mean many said that you look more professional. You're working with doctors. They're working on tablets. It makes sense for the interpreter to also be mm -hmm. working on a on a tablet. They said people were, were curious, but also that it really set them aside as memorable, as cutting edge, as somebody Interesting. Who's, who's keeping up with innovation. It's almost a bit of marketing there. Exactly. I'm sure. Did anything stand out, uh, what people said, there was a big disadvantage uh, compared to the traditional way of doing things? Uh, well, sometimes it depends on the weather. If you're out 
side doing consecutive. Mm, like glare or... The glare, or if you're in the UK, then it will rain. So <laughs> obviously water and tablets don't mix especially well. Uh, sometimes the physical weight of them. Uh, one of one of our participants particularly liked the Windows Surface, but the, the bigger version, and the drawback to that is that it's quite heavy. So if you're stood up, then it can get a bit wearing if you stood for a long time. Yeah, in fact, the, there were people we spoke to who said that if they were sitting down, they would always use a tablet, but if they were standing or moving around, they might be less likely to do so. For example, if you're interpreting at an opening of an art gallery mm. and you're moving from one painting to another or one piece of art to another, there's a whole crowd, there's jostling and bustling, and you, you don't want to, to accidentally have your tablet pushed out of your hands, I suppose. So, exactly. So there was, there were some concerns about that. I think the issue of confidentiality mm -hmm. was also raised as a concern. Talking of cloud backup and things like that as well. Yeah. Yes, but often the interpreters we spoke with had found clever solutions, actually. So in one case where the interpreter was working, I believe for the US government or for a government agency, uh, this interpreter simply asked the client to purchase a tablet that she could use. And then there are no concerns about confidentiality. Uh, a, a much simpler solution, however, is that if a client asks, you simply delete the file in front of their eyes. And just like some some clients in some settings might ask you to turn over a notepad that you've been using, uh, the same thing can be done with the tablet with the simple click of a button. Right. Doesn't sound like a big deal breaker to me. No. It wasn't a deal breaker for any of the people that no, we spoke to. No, they'd all found creative solutions to get around it. And I think that's important because, I mean, confidentiality is key in this profession. If the client doesn't trust you, then you're not going to get work anymore. It's absolutely key to keep their trust. And so it was interesting to see the solutions that allowed us to move into the 21st century whilst still addressing those concerns regarding confidentiality. Okay, well, you, you mentioned one specific um, device there, the, the Microsoft Surface. Taking what you've heard from, from colleagues, um, are there any trends in terms of preference for a certain device or a certain platform or maybe for a, for a form factor or, or size? Um, or was it all over the place? It was, it was quite all over the place, to be mm. honest. Uh, the, we had several models of iPad mentioned, uh, the iPad Mini, iPad, iPad 2, iPad Air, um, we also Android had... tablets, Samsung Galaxy Note in various versions, the Surface Pro, even a Galaxy phone as well. So not just tablets in the traditional sense, but really any uh, touch-sensitive surface, to be honest. But I, I do think one thing that that all of the people that we spoke to, speaking about the hardware, is that they appreciated if it was Wi-Fi enabled and if it was 3G or 4G enabled if you were yeah. traveling a lot. That's a good tip, yeah. So no clear preference there. And, and in terms of... Well, I guess it's difficult to say then if people use um, different platforms, there's no clear preference in terms of software. Um, or is there? Well, there, there was in a sense. In the, on, the, on the tablets where there was uh, a native application, 
So for the Samsung Android tablets, um, um, the application is S Note, yeah. and on the Surface it's OneNote. Um, I think those are the only native ones. Because you have the stylus pairing with the tablet, that means that you don't have to worry about hand guards or anything to stop smears appearing on the screen. So that was considered an advantage. And to go back to the hardware in, in terms of the size and the weight, it tended to be whatever you felt comfortable holding, I think, was the yeah. the main conclusion to be drawn out. And that depended on the situation and, and how you normally work. Mm. But what, other than that, there was, a, there was a, also a variety of other applications. Yeah, when it came to the iPad, uh, we heard a variety of different uh, apps that different uh, interpreters had been using. Do you have any personal favorites if somebody came to you with, uh, with a question for a recommendation? I do. I, uh, I love... Uh, notability. Uh, sorry, note shelf. Yeah. Note shelf for note taking. I find to be very intuitive. It offers a wide range of functions. It has a great wrist guard that uh, moves very smoothly. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's quite nice. It has a lot of the features that I that I like. Easily switching between different uh, colors of the pen or highlighting in different thickness and being able to customize it as you like. Being able to have custom paper, which is a real a real benefit for those people who like to use a margin line or a line down the middle of the paper, to be able to to pop that in there right away to be using that, I think that's a nice benefit. I've uh, I've also used. You can tell that I'm an iPad <laughs> user since I'm talking about iPad apps. Uh, I've also used Notability, which is very interesting when it comes to vertical scrolling. So that's what Josie was mentioning earlier, the ability to have just one long scroll of paper, basically, where it never ends. So you just keep scrolling up and you see everything that's come before and after in one place. And How would you navigate in this case? Sorry for that. Just a quick question there. How, do, do you make like a symbol to, to know when to, how to get back to the place where you have to start the rendering? I usually just change colors for each chunk, personally. That's a good trick, yeah. Yeah, you can also put bookmarks in, though. Mm. So it's not something I've done, but it is something that one can do uh, to put a a bookmark or or just draw a very large squiggly line to to indicate that it's a new chunk. I use an older version of the Windows Surface, which unfortunately doesn't have palm rejection. But if it did, I would be a fully sold-up OneNote fan. Because, As many people are. It, I mean, yeah, yeah, because it's fantastic for everything. I mean, not just consecutive. I use it for a lot of booth preparation as well because um, you actually have unlimited paper in two s- directions. So you can scroll down indefinitely and you can scroll to the right indefinitely, which is interesting. Again, you can customize the paper. You can also use different colors and so on, and that you can import things. You can also put links in so that when you click on it, it it will take you directly to one web page or another. And to be honest, I to me the main the main thing is that it works smoothly as a notepad, and then anything on top of that is a bonus because well, a notepad only works as well as a notepad does. So if you can get the the tablet to do that really well. And then you can add extra functions later, then that's the best bit. And I love the idea of scrolling because I think that has a huge advantage over um, over turning pages on a notepad because it just 
keeps going it's seamless you don't have that moment where you have an idea split over two pages and you have to turn the page and it sort of breaks the spell somehow both for you and for the audience so I would definitely go one note so you're using the um, pen or stylus that comes with the surface then no I've done some testing on somebody else's but I have an older version and that didn't come with a stylus no, it doesn't come with a stylus, so you just have to use one of the ones that doesn't pair. And um, I, OneNote doesn't have a handguard. Um, and for me, holding your hand off the page or wearing a funky glove or things like that don't really, don't really do it for me, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a bit of a hassle. And then I tried uh, several other applications uh, with handguards, and for me... The handguards, it just didn't work somehow. I kept missing the handguard, writing on the screen with my hand, trying to scroll and drawing lines everywhere. So I think for me, a a stylus that pairs with the tablet is what I need, really. (laughs) I I think it's worth noting that these wrist guards come in different shapes and sizes. Some of them move automatically as you write. Others are a line drawn across the page. Others is a line that you can move up and down. Uh, it really depends. So that's you need to get, find one that really yeah. fits your needs. And of course, many people did speak about the benefits of having a, a stylus that paired with the tablet. Now, at the point that we did this research, I think it was still early in the ter- in the pairing revolution, yeah. at least for the iPad. Um, f- many people did use the S Pen or the Surface Pen. But for the iPad, the people we spoke to didn't tend to use... Well, I think Apple has refused to do styluses on... Not anymore. (laughs) ...ideological grounds. Not anymore, they've changed. Not anymore. Things things there are changing. (laughs) It's unusual for them to be a step behind. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I will note that when we spoke to iPad users, they did coalesce around two styluses in particular that they that they liked. One being the bamboo suite of styluses and another being the Cosmonaut which are two radically different styluses one is very small uh, is like a pen basically with a relatively small nib Um, I think it's five millimeters in diameter Mm -hmm. and and the Cosmonaut on the other hand it looks like a big chunky crayon yeah like a sharpie (laughs) uh, yeah sharpie even bigger around than a sharpie I think Uh going on a whiteboard marker almost so the diameter of the of the of the stylus itself is is huge it's probably centimeter and a half two centimeters and so it's a it's a pretty hefty stylus but many people actually liked it a lot it's not my favorite but it's a very interesting option it just goes to show that you don't necessarily want it to mimic pen and paper in terms of how it feels yeah, and I think it's also a testament to something else, which is the fact that when we use pen and paper, people use all different types of pens and all different types of paper, and some people like pens that write fast, and some people like pens that write slow, and some people like pens that write bold, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. The same was the case with the research that we did. The The respondents in our in our research really had a wide variety of preferences. Except that their styluses do present an advantage over pen and paper, which is that if you like writing with a fine nib but you want a thick line, with pen and paper you can't really do that, whereas with a stylus you can have a really fine nib but you can have it producing a really thick line or vice versa. Yeah. 
Yeah, and there were some other benefits of styluses that were noted as well, such as the fact that some have a button that you can click to pro you can program it in various ways, so to change color or to turn into an eraser. There are some styluses that you flip over and actually erase on the on the screen with the back end of the stylus. Yeah. There there are some styluses that have a stylus on one end and a pen on the other, so that it's uh, it can be used for both functions. Sort of as a backup, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose there was a consensus that for consecutive note taking, you you would not use the finger, but instead um, a stylus of Actually, some sort. No. no, not entirely. Most okay. said that um, that they would prefer to use a stylus, but that if push came to shove, they could use their fingertip. There were there were a couple who said that. Yeah, they said it in a sort of emergency, as a last resort uh, <laughs> context. <laughs> if push came to shove, then they had to their fingertip and it worked but I think there was one participant actually who said that um, they they used a stylus generally but they couldn't see why it would make a difference to use your finger it's just mm. that we're not used to writing that way this participant was very very into technology and um, <laughs> was, like was was very interested in what will happen in general and in the field of interpreting when we go into ways of inputting information that are beyond what we already know. So, for example, inputting information by moving your eyes or moving your body rather than actually touching the technology. So that participant was really looking at it, not from the point of view of this tablet replaces a notebook, rather than it was more, this is a tool that I can use to note take and this is different from a notebook and I'll use it to the maximum extent possible. Yeah. And I, I think it's worth noting that many of the people we spoke to also were exploring other types of technology mm-hmm. and the way that it could be used both as a teaching tool and as a tool for practitioners. Mm-hmm. So they spoke about uh, using the, the um, what is this pen called? The, the pens that they smart use for SynConsec, the smart pen things, yeah. uh, or digital pens, which... I have a wide variety of benefits that I think we should maybe leave for another chat because otherwise we'll be going on for a long time. And that also was not the focus of our research, but interesting nevertheless. That's true. I was going to ask about that if, if, because some of the, or actually many of the note-taking apps also allow you to um, record audio. Did anybody mention that sort of as a backup or, you you know, in the context of that SIM consec technique, did anybody use that? They did. Yeah, uh, few of the people have mentioned mm-hmm. using audio or the benefits of being able to record audio as you were also writing. The, it seems that there are some applications where the recording and the audio pair, so you can go back just like with the with the smart pen to click on a given spot in your notes and and hear what what was said at that time. Mm-hmm. We didn't uh, play with these apps ourselves, but there were people who told us that they were using them. Interesting. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you're still working on, I mean, the the thesis is done as far as I know, right? And it's published. um, uh, But you said that you still continue to work on it. Um, So so what does it look like? Where does it go from, from here? So the, one of the main takeaways of the thesis was a series of lists of features to consider when assessing a tablet, when assessing an application, and when assessing a stylus. Many of the things that we've already listed in the conversation today. 
The goal of the second phase of the research is to look at different tablets, look at different apps, and look at different styluses to see which ones excel when it comes to this checklist. Mm-hmm. I think actually what would be interesting, I don't know how much time down the line, is to look at designing an application, perhaps not a whole tablet, that's that's very ambitious, <laughs> but an yeah. application at least mm-hmm. with interpreters in mind. Because many of the issues that we came up against in looking at the applications was that they're simply not designed for consecutive note-taking. Let's be honest, it's very niche. Um, (laughs) And so we were, people were using applications that were intended for graphic designers, for architects, for people who want to just draw pictures. Students in school taking notes. Students in school taking notes, which are obviously different. It's a different style of note-taking to consecutive Um, consecutive interpreting note-taking and so if we could come up with a more or less definitive list um, then it would be interesting to see if somebody would be interested in in creating an application I think as it as it is our thesis has actually opened up a whole can of worms essentially in that we well we found we got a lot of answers well the main answer being yes it's possible Mm. but there wasn't anything particularly definitive because it was a small population and because it was exploratory and it was the first research carried out. And mm-hmm. so we now need further research to to tell us exactly what is it that we need from it and how do we meet those needs um, and try and start moving towards actually doing that. Yeah, there are, there are all sorts of follow-up that we would like to do that could be done uh, in terms of future research. So in addition to testing out these different tablets, I think there's really fertile ground for the training field mm-hmm. to look at training mm-hmm. yeah. of new interpreters and of experienced interpreters when it comes to introducing a tablet, what that looks like, what kinds of courses could or workshops could be designed. I mean, One of the things that the University of Geneva has excelled in is expertise research. So what it takes to become an expert and the phases and and so on. And I think that that's worth looking at in the context of of training when it comes to using a tablet. And equally, I believe I read in the news uh, last week, I think, that Finland is stopping teaching handwriting to children at school. Yeah, that's right. And so they're just going to learn to type. And so do students coming through interpreting schools, do they ever use a notepad? If Mm. we end up with good solutions and and looking at the pace that technology is moving at currently, if we end up with a good solution, somebody who designs an excellent application, or we find an an application that just happens to meet all of our needs, Mm. then do we ever put a notepad in their hands or do they just start out using tablets and move forward from there? Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So I think we have a bit of material maybe for a follow-up episode at some point. Uh, in any case, I wanted to thank you very, very much uh, for having taken the time. I think it's it's also uh, hopefully a very useful um, episode for the listeners. Uh, maybe to finish things off, uh, not trying to put you on the spot too much, but um, if you had to give a recommendation for 
a device and or application and or stylus to somebody who were just starting out with, um, you know, digital note taking, what would it be? And, and you, you can uh, answer separately because you use different platforms. <laughs> hey, you know, I can tell you what I use, but I, I don't even really want to answer your question. What I want to tell you is that no matter which device or application or stylus you're using, one thing that's crucial and one thing that came out of our research is mm -hmm. that you need to practice. Just mm -hmm. as you need to practice to become a good interpreter, to learn consecutive, to, to learn the tricks and tools of the trade, you can't so expect true. to pick up a tablet and show up with uh, your next consecutive assignment and mm -hmm. just dive in. So yes, I, I can give you my recommendations. I personally uh, love to use an iPad. I, I really like the bamboo styluses and I like the apps that I mentioned earlier, Note Shelf and Notability. Mm -hmm. But even more important than the apps, and of course we haven't done the research on the apps and the tablets and so on, mm -hmm. one thing that is clear is that you can't just jump into this headfirst and expect it will work. Every person we spoke to spoke about how how important it was to train on their own, then to bring their their tablet along to different uh, settings where they were very familiar with the client, with the terminology where they had worked there before, and then only later to bring it to the the most complicated settings in which they work. And so that's one important takeaway for me, Josie. Um, I'll sit rather firmly on the fence as well. Sorry. Um, oh, that's fine. I think that what is very important is if you have several devices to allow them to link up easily. Mm -hmm. So for me, an advantage is that if I take notes on my Surface tablet, they appear automatically on my computer at home and I don't have to do anything, which mm -hmm. means I can then go back over them um, and any changes, notes that I make on top of them will automatically be saved back onto my tablet. So I think that if you are in an eye person, then eye products <laughs> might be a good idea because yeah. you have that compatibility and also the fact that you're used to the operating system because mm -hmm. a lot of the participants mentioned that you don't need any additional stress. It's stressful enough. You don't need to add any more stress exactly. to yeah. the process. Um, so if you have Android, maybe consider Android. If you have Windows, consider Windows. And also look at, look at what is important to you and maybe the best thing to do is to try it out before you commit to buying one. But then you have to find a lot of friends who are already consecutive interpreting on uh, on tablets. So. Anyone who's in Geneva and wants to give it a shot, just drop me a line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I suppose people will take you up on the offer. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, um, Josie and Josh, for having taken the time and giving us so much useful advice and also insight into your research. And um, all the best. Thank you. Thank you.